I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of Pax What She Said, your Packers podcast hosted by Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Uh, today we're going to be breaking down the combine, which officially means that we are deep into the offseason, getting ready for the draft. Um, a lot of these college players are going to be ready to kind of strut their stuff on the field, show everyone what they're made of. Before we break down what we consider to be the top four positions of need for the Packers, we wanted to give you a little bit of a breakdown of the combine. It's a week-long process in case you are not super familiar with how that entire process works. Yeah, so the combine is really a chance for players to showcase their abilities in different drills in front of NFL coaches and scouts. It's unfortunately invite only, so um, the NFL gets together and decides um the number of prospects that they are going to invite to attend. So this year, 337 players were invited to come to Indianapolis and Lucas Oil Stadium um, starting on Monday, February 24th for the NFL Combine. Um, The first, it's kind of broken up in two parts. So the first few days are not televised. Um, They're mostly media availability. Players get to interview with teams They do medical evaluations, which will be really important for some players that have hurt themselves but still decided to enter into the draft after um, being hurt from the season. They take the Wonderlick test, which is like the football IQ test, um, and they also do the bench press randomly (laughs) untelevised. Then starting Thursday, February 27th, um, the televised drills and workouts will begin. So it's four full days of workouts. Um, Each day is broken out by position. So the first day on Thursday will be quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Day two is running backs, offensive linemen, kickers, and special teams. Saturday will be defensive linemen and linebackers. And then Sunday, March 1st, the last day will be defensive backs. So every year, the number of players invited varies. 
um, and also varies how many by position. So this year, like I said, there's 337 players and the most position, the most players by position group that were invited are wide receivers. There's 55 of them coming, um, which is really high. Um, there are 52 offensive linemen, 46 defensive linemen, 43 linebackers, 35 cornerbacks, 30 running backs, 27 safeties, 20 tight ends, 17 quarterbacks, seven punters, three kickers, and two long snappers. And a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) (laughs) So it's no secret that this year's wide receiver group is not only the deepest and most talented it's been in a long time, but I'd say it's probably the most highly anticipated group to watch. It's also one of the Packers' biggest needs, which is pretty convenient, I'd say, that there's so many to choose from. Um, When I think about the one thing that we're missing on both sides of the ball that I'm excited to see is speed. Um, So that's what I'm watching for, whether it's from the wide receivers or from the defensive side as well. Um, I'm also looking forward to looking at the guys who are projected to go in more day two and three that haven't been talked about much, um, which of those will shine. And then alternatively, which are the ones that have, you know, a lot of stock in them. Everyone's kind of chatting about it. Like which one of those may falter a bit. Um, I don't think the combine, it's not the best way to assess whether a player is going to really succeed on the field, but it does give a really nice showcase of some of their like athletic abilities. So we, kind of talked about this pre-show and we decided that the four positions that we were going to emphasize for this episode were the interior defensive line, inside linebacker, offensive tackles, and wide receiver. Uh, So keep in mind we're doing this really early. This could change in free agency, but if you'll remember in 2019, a lot of what the Packers needed in free agency, um, they also did address in the draft. So edge rush, they got both. Safety, they got both. Offensive line, they got both. Um, So just because the Packers, you know, maybe look at somebody or sign somebody in free agency, I would still expect them to target those key positions pretty early. Um, So these are, you know, some positions that we definitely think the Packers will emphasize, not necessarily with their first four picks, but it wouldn't shock us if these were the first four picks in some order going off the board during the draft. So we'll start with one of Maggie's favorite positions, the big boys, the defensive linemen. Somebody's going to edit that, and it's just going to be a whole thing. (laughs) I had to. I'm sorry. I can restart. I can redo it. (laughs) It's fine. No, I feel like we should keep it. It's fine. I feel like the best part about this is, like, people getting to know us a little bit. I don't know. I know none of these stack up to your your man, BJ Raji, but who are you really excited to watch? Who do you think the Packers um, should go for? Yeah, so every year I have a defensive lineman crush, and so far... That's never panned out for me, so I'm kind of hesitant to even address my defensive lineman crush in 2020. Um, There's some obvious names here, like Derek Brown from Auburn. He is projected to be the first defensive lineman off the board. Uh, He should be off the board well before the Packers pick. Best defensive lineman in the draft, bar none. One of my favorite descriptors from the draft network was, black hole of a presence on the interior. If you run at him, shame on you. And that's exactly what the Packers are looking for with this interior defensive line. Whoever they end up, they need a run stuffer more than a pass rusher. So that's kind of the guys that I was looking at uh, when I looked at players along the defensive line. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is another really great name that I think is expected to be off the board pretty early. Um, He's more of an interior defensive lineman to eat up those gaps, and he wins with bull rushing and power moves, which I think is something that the Packers really need opposite Kenny Clark. 
Um, but again, guys that emphasize that run defense. Uh, some of the guys that might be there, I guess, when the Packers pick, those first two names I would think would go in the top 20. So if we're going to talk about guys specifically that might be there, whether the Packers are looking at pick 30 um, or maybe on day two, um, Neville Gallimore is a great name. Um, Draft Network gives him one of his worst traits as run defense. He's more of a pass rushing nose tackle. So while he is a bigger bodied guy that will still be expected to uh, fill gaps, maybe as a run defender, he's not necessarily exactly what the Packers would be looking for there, but he did still have four sacks in 2019. And Pro Football Focus gave him an overall grade of an 88, even though, like I said, he does take primarily pass rushing snaps um, and less run stuffing snaps. Justin Matabike from Texas A&M is very versatile. I like uh, what he can do along the defensive line. He can play nose tackle or three technique, kind of lining up over the B-gap, which, again, is something that the Packers will be looking for opposite Kenny Clark. 85 tackles, 22 tackles for a loss, and 11 sacks over the last two seasons, which is great production from a big guy like that. And then my draft crush for 2020, Ross Blacklock uh, from Texas Christian University. He did have an unfortunate Achilles injury in 2018 that cost him his sophomore season, but he played really well as a freshman and his junior season before declaring for the draft this year. Uh, He's one of the most athletic defensive linemen in this draft class, pegged as, you know, either a late first rounder or a second day prospect. I don't think he'd be there in the third round, so I think he's somebody the Packers would have to jump on pretty early first or second round, unless, you know, his combine numbers slip. But he has a run defense grade of 89.3 from Pro Football Focus in 2019. So he does serve that really athletic, versatile, play anywhere along the defensive line, but primarily three technique, run stuffer for this defense. And I would just love to see, you know, what a versatile defensive lineman like uh, Ross Blacklock could do opposite a player like Kenny Clark, who, you know, is still stout against the run, but Kenny Clark is your pass rusher primarily. So to go and get a guy along the defensive line that could eat up blocks and uh, stuff the run, I think is going to be really important for the Packers early in this draft. Uh, Now, Perry, I do know that you might maybe have a little crush on a defensive lineman yourself. A couple names I thought Packers fans should keep an eye on are Raekwon Davis uh, out of Alabama, Marlon Davidson from Auburn. Both of them profile as run stuffers who can fill that three technique both of them likely day two or three picks that could help the Packers bolster their defensive line room. But I'll let you go ahead and talk about your guy because I know that you're pretty high on him. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned Justin Matabuke because he was also one that I felt like was really versatile and could really like stuff the run next to Kenny Clark. But my draft crush on the defensive line is Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. Um and just reading about him, I felt like he's definitely more of a day two player that the Packers could get in some of their in like round two picks. Um, I think he fits really great in our 3-4 front, and he has really great interior pass rush ability. He's a big dude, but can still kind of move around the line a little bit, and I think that versatility will be really nice next to Kenny Clark. Um, so he's definitely my pick for defensive linemen. Yeah, Pro Football Focus, I know that a lot of Chiefs Head TV fans either love them or hate them. You don't really feel impartial to Pro Football Focus, um, but they do put out some really interesting grades every season, and Jordan Elliott actually got an elite grade of 91.1 as both a run defender and a pass rusher. So if he was available for the Packers on day two, definitely, like you said, worth it. 
as either a three technique or a five technique defender, even though, like you said, he's probably best maybe as a rotational guy. I don't think he he could be an every down defensive lineman for the Packers. But kind of shifting gears, we'll stay on the defensive side of the ball. Sideline to sideline inside linebackers. They have been a total commodity in the draft. Look at Roquan Smith to the Bears in 2018. Devin White and Devin Bush in 2019. You know, the Steelers traded up to get their guy. So with Blake Martinez and BJ Goodson, both free agents this offseason, who are some inside linebackers that you are going to be watching closely this week? Yeah, there's a few really great inside linebackers that I think might go before the Packers pick at 30. The one that really stands out to me, of course, is Isaiah Simmons. Just a crazy versatile player. I've really never seen anything like it from technically a linebacker, but he played 100-plus snaps at five different positions on the defense this year. So just the kind of player that's an ultimate chess piece that I would love to see Patton use um, all over the place, although I just I doubt he'll be there at 30, but you know you never know. The next guy, which again, I'd be kind of surprised if was still around at 30, but if he is, definitely would want to snatch him up, is Kenneth Murray. I find him to be speedy, like really, really athletic. As a freshman in Oklahoma, he started all 14 games, which I think says a lot about the kind of player he is. He had 78 tackles, only one sack, but that's not really what we're looking for in our linebacker. We're really looking for more of a coverage guy, um, a really good tackler. So again, I mean, his junior year, he was named first team all Big 12. It just, I think if he's there at 30 um, and he should shine at the Combine, um, that's someone the Packers should go for. A little more, I guess, realistic, if you will, is actually my linebacker draft crush, um, which is Malik Harrison from Ohio State. He just seems like he has really high football IQ, um, really good at figuring out what the defense is trying to do in the run game, which is like, hello, what the Packers need. Um, not the best in coverage, but I think since we run our 3-4 defense a lot, I don't know if that'll be a huge issue. And of course, once a player gets to the NFL, there's a learning curve and we can always train them to be better at the defense that we run. But his best trait is his tackling, which again is something that the Packers really need um, and should focus on um, across our defense this year. So I think he's really great. He's my favorite. Another one that I think will probably not be there at 30, but is um, definitely being talked about as someone that the Packers may want to take is Patrick Queen at LSU. He's definitely scouting like a true three down linebacker, which is definitely something that we need given that we probably aren't going to have Blake Martinez back. And, you know, BJ Goodson wasn't that three down linebacker this year. Um, I think Patrick Queen can really play all over the place. So um, I think he would be a really great option if he's there at 30. My last linebacker, which is another one of my favorites, potentially could be more of a day two or three guy is Marcus Bailey from Purdue. Um, again, really strong tackler, um, really great lateral mobility, which is, again, something we kind of look for in our linebackers um, in the defensive scheme that we play. Um, another super high football IQ guy. And I was just reading a lot about his leadership at Purdue. Um, the guys really looked up to him because he was so smart and could execute so well. You know, he could kind of, maybe not replace Blake Martinez as that leadership role, but could be someone that kind of grows into that for the Packers. And he executes best in zone coverage. So again, something that between coverage and tackling is what the Packers need. Um, I think he fits 
fits really nicely. Also looking at Zach Bond out of Wisconsin, mostly because we love those homegrown Wisconsin guys. Um, and I'm also curious to see how Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech performs. So I do like that you mentioned Patrick Queen. I guess of the mock drafts I've seen, Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray are the two guys that get kind of mocked to the Packers the most. Another name I've seen mocked to them quite a bit is Troy Dye out of Oregon. Uh, 391 total tackles in his four-year career, 41 and a half tackles for a loss, 13 sacks, five interceptions. He's a really good coverage linebacker um, who matches up as like a nightmare against tight ends, which is obviously something, like you said, the Packers really need kind of that guide in the middle of the field uh, with fantastic football IQ. Um, He's another player, depending on his combine numbers, kind of how they look, he could be a high day two, maybe even squeak into the first round, given, you know, what happens with Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen. If both of them are off the board in the top 25, I could see the Packers, if they're really high on somebody taking them at 30, kind of not wanting to wait until day two to see where players end up. You did not mention my draft crush, or I guess my inside linebacker crush. I was curious to see if you would. Um, And for everyone listening, we did not talk about this ahead of time so that we could have these kind of live reactions to whether or not we would kind of hit on each other's players. That came out weird, but whether we would, I was going to say touch on, but that's worse. (laughs) Whether we will talk about each other's favorite players at the combine. Um, But the guy that I really like for the Packers um, as possibly a third rounder, I think he'd be there late day two, Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian State. He something about him he is so speedy he's a little bit undersized uh but he plays bigger than his frame he's got lateral agility lateral quickness he can go sideline to sideline in coverage um his run defense grade from pro football focus in 2019 was an 87.1 which is huge he's definitely kind of filling that role that the packers would need as an every down linebacker and while he does have you know almost an elite rating as a run defender he also can get after the passer. He rushed the quarterback 190 times in his 2019 season, registering 25 pressures and an elite pass rushing grade, or almost elite. Uh, but Akeem Davis Gaither, looking forward to seeing what he can do at the combine. I think that if the Packers look maybe to wide receiver or interior defensive line in the first round, he would be an ideal candidate for the Packers on day two um, in the second or third round. And then this last player is just somebody I think is really interesting. Francis Bernard out of Utah. And the reason I think he's so interesting is the fact that he was mentioned in the pro football focus draft guide as a player comp to Blake Martinez, including the fact that they think he'll be a fourth round pick. They said that he is likely one of the most NFL ready linebackers in this draft class, but he lacks explosive athleticism, which again, sounds a lot like Blake Martinez incredible football IQ, really reliable at inside linebacker. You could plug him and play him as a starter on day one, but it's not necessarily an upgrade. So I did think that as a player, that was interesting, Um, kind of seeing what he looks like at the combine. (sighs) Packer fans would really hate it, but it would be so funny if in the fourth round, the Packers drafted the successor at inside linebacker and he was comped to Blake Martinez. I'm sorry to put that into the universe. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but... Don't hate her on Twitter for this. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, I know I thought I thought it was interesting. I like to share things that I find interesting. Francis Bernard out of Utah. Watch for him at the combine. See if you think he looks like Blake Martinez. Okay, so we're gonna switch over to the offensive side of the ball and talk about 
our other big guys, um, the offensive linemen. So who are you looking at most closely? The hard part about offensive tackles, um, because you always are looking for the future left tackle for your franchise, they tend to kind of snowball off the board. So the second that the first one is taken, I mean, in 2019, four offensive tackles came off the board in the first round, going 11th, 22nd, 23rd, and 31st. So it's not unrealistic to think that the same number of tackles will be off the board by the time the Packers pick at 30 this year. A couple of those names, and I mean, we never know. We always talk about how there's about 70 players who are not going to be there at pick 30. Somebody very talented that the Packers are interested will be there at 30. Whether that's an offensive tackle, we don't know. Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama is projected to be the first tackle off the board. He played right tackle for his entire collegiate career. Um, So that makes him appealing if the Packers are indeed moving on from Brian Vlaga. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia was a three-year starter at left tackle. Pass blocking grade seems to improve every season. And he was given a 92.4 overall from Pro Football Focus in 2019. So he had a really fantastic season for Georgia. Three-year starter at left tackle. Is projected to play left tackle in the NFL like a lot of these starters are. Um, They don't really project you as a starting right tackle. Typically, they think you can play both. But again, Wills Jr. and Thomas, I would expect to be off the board for sure. Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, I would also expect to be gone by the time the Packers pick. He's got, you know, an interesting size where he technically could shift inside if asked to do that. I think he could project at a guard or tackle. But obviously, if the Packers look at him, you would have to think that he would be somebody that they would play at right tackle. He gets better as the season progresses. In 2019, he only allowed one pressure in his final seven games, not giving up any sacks. So those are, you know, kind of big time things you look for, especially if you look at Elton Jenkins. His rookie season did not allow a single sack, which is phenomenal. But you would expect, you know, them if they draft an offensive tackle early, that's the kind of uh, production they're looking for. Makai Becton out of Louisville is another name, could be gone before the Packers pick. He's got really great length. He's 6'7". He can play either left tackle or right tackle. The draft guides describe him as a brawler with leverage and power, the living definition of a people mover. And if I was in 5'3", I would want that to be my nickname, the living definition of a people mover. Like that just sounds like somebody that you'd, you know, you'd want to go to battle for. Another kind of creeping up prospect in the draft, Josh Jones out of Houston. And I know Packer fans hear the name Josh Jones and they don't really like the way the first pick turned out, but he he's a monster. He only allowed 18 pressures in over 1,200 pass blocking snaps in a three-year career. Uh, Pro Football Focus gave him an overall grade of 93.2 in 2019. He only allowed one sack uh, in 2019. Played his entire career at left tackle, and he had the highest win rate of any offensive tackle at the Senior Bowl. So Josh Jones is a name to keep an eye on. He likely could be there at 30 unless uh, maybe his the need for offensive tackles projects him further. Uh, finally, I guess kind of my sleeper of the draft, and I, I don't really think it's a sleeper if you're like a day two or day three or a day two guy. But I guess in my head, if I were the general manager, and I know that Everyone's very thankful I'm not. I would re-sign Brian Belaga for two more years, and then I would draft his successor this year, and I would draft Matt Pert out of UConn. I know he has... With these choices over here. Wait, what? I said, you're really surprising me with these choices (laughs) over here. (laughs) 
He was given a 90 overall grade from Pro Football Focus in 2019, uh, but he only allowed two sacks and four hurries in over 700 snaps. He's a great day two pick. Uh, He still has a little bit to learn along the offensive line, but if you're paying Brian Balaga for two more years to be your right tackle of the future, uh, Matt Pert played right tackle for his entire career in college, so he's very familiar with the position. And you have a nice insurance policy if something were to happen to Brian Blaga. Just given his injury history, I do think he's still worthy of a contract one or two more years. But I think if you have a guy like Matt Pert on the board, it's worth it to take him and groom your future right tackle at the position. Anyway, segueing now into Perry's favorite position group, the wide receivers. I know that your draft crush comes out of this group. So let's hear your breakdown of wide receivers in this 2020 class. Well, there's so many of them. So I, I, uh, I kind of broke them into tiers. So I'll talk about them in, in my tiers. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you already know who my draft crush is. So um, it's not going to be a surprise, but I'm not going to start with him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start with the top tier, which... I think it, they're very interchangeable. This class is supremely talented, and each you could put any in my second tier and the top tier, depending on you know what team values what in their wide receivers. So, um, just my thoughts. I'm basing this off looking at the Packers, but um, I'd say the top tier consists of kind of three wide receivers that they're going to perform well on at the combine. If they're there at 30, you take them. And they're C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs III. Um, I'm not going to dive too much into them just because they're all around, just really polished, ready to go in the NFL receivers. Got any one of them, I think they'd start, um, and that would be I'd be jumping for joy. So the guys I'm looking at are really in my tier two, tier three. Um, and so the top of my tier two is my draft crush. It's T. Higgins from Clemson. I think he is so phenomenal, phenomenal. If we drafted him, I would cry. Um, (laughs) He's got this like great size speed combo where he's like six, four, but he's super quick with the ball in his hands. He's got like the largest catch radius I've seen, but he's also a great contested catcher. Um, He can win jump balls. His route tree is Good, not great, but I don't really look at that stuff much in college just because they're not really taught a ton of routes. Like my my biggest thing when I think about that criticism is Devontae Adams, where he wasn't the best route runner when he came in. Now he's one of the best because he worked at it. And so I think anyone that we brought into the wide receiver room who could learn from him um, would automatically get better. Maybe that's a more uh, optimistic assumption, but I'm not really looking at route running. Um he had 59 receptions for 1,167 yards, 13 touchdowns, and he averaged 19.8 yards. So he's fantastic. Um, I think just him catching balls from Aaron Rodgers would be a thing of beauty. Um, so i really excited to see how he does. I'm really excited to see what his 40 time is, just like how he does in his drills. Um, I think he'll probably perform well. Honestly, I hope he performs like not so well. So he's not thirty. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, just kidding. I hope that he he does his absolute best. Um, 
My next one in my tier two is KJ Hamler from Penn State. Um, he's definitely undersized at 5'9", 176 pounds. Um, not the wide receiver profile I think the Packers typically go for, but I think in the last few years, ever since Goot took over, they're kind of breaking out of those molds that they used to. So, I, But he also more than makes up for it in speed. Um, he averaged just under 17 yards per catch and scored 13 touchdowns in his final season at Penn State. And on top of that, he's also a punt returner, um, which I think getting a wide receiver that can play – and also add to special teams would be a huge added value for the Packers after losing some of our, um, you know, we signed Urban, but we kind of lost in Cobb and maybe some of our other punt returners, that really um, kind of reliable guy and special teams has faltered because of that. So um, I have dreams about KJ Hamler returning punts for the Packers, like literally dreams. Um Again, curious to see what his 40 time is. I think speed is on his side. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure how he'll stack up against, like, bigger, more physical DBs. But, um, you know, if he can outrun them, it won't really matter. So um, the next one I have is Justin Jefferson from LSU. Again, another one that in mock drafts has fallen to the Packers a good amount. Um, I'd be super excited to get him as well. 6'3", 192, fits right into our like typical profile for a wide receiver. He was their leading receiver in 2018 um, with 54 catches, 875 yards, and six touchdowns. And he led the country with 111 receptions. Um, so in an offense that was as, as explosive as LSU, I think to lead the country in receptions says a lot about um, who he is as a player. Um, he's his 18 receiving touchdowns this year ranked second in the country only behind his teammate Jamar Chase um, and his 1,540 receiving yards this year was third most so he's just he's explosive and uh, I think he'd be a really really great asset alongside Devontae Adams um, potentially uh, Alan Lazard so like to have Alan Lazard at, with his size and Justice, Justin Jefferson at his size would be um, pretty hard to defend um, the next three that I have are um, ones that I'm excited to see how they perform. I think their the offense and the QB play that they had in college didn't really do them many favors, unlike the the top few that I listed. Um, they so some of their stats don't shine as high, but um, I think could be really big assets to the Packers. So. I'm looking at Jalen Rieger out of TCU. Um, every time I watch him, I'm just like speed, speed, speed. Like, wow, he's a super vertical threat. Um, again, his stats aren't great from 2019, 43 catches for 611 yards, but that can be attributed a little bit to the offense that he was in. So um, I think if he has a really great combine, um, that'll really up his draft status. LaVisca Chenault Jr. out of Colorado is the second one that's been floated around Packers Twitter and, and uh, mock drafts a lot. Um, again, a speedy deep threat guy. He's been comp to Sammy Watkins, which I think is a, um, a really nice comparison and also something that the Packers, a skill set that we don't really have. Um, so I'm sure he'll test well at the combine given how fast and athletic he is just like naturally. Um, but I just from watching his film wonder if he's ready to produce immediately. Um, he could be a little inconsistent, but also that could be from the offense that he was, you know, that was around him. Um, he might still need some polishing. It's probably both. 
Um, but he's so versatile and can be so creatively. And I think, um, you know, Matt LaFleur has talked about a lot of the ideas that he has with Aaron Rodgers that he didn't get to get to this year. And I just imagine LaVisca Chanel being that gadget player that can fit into a lot of the creative scheme ideas that, um, that Matt LaFleur has. So I'd be really excited if we took him too. Um, and then the last guy in this kind of tier three, I'd say, is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Um, he's another one that has been floated around as falling to the Packers potentially more in day two. Um, speedy, really good with yards after the catch. He was comped like Corderell Patterson from Draft Network. So I thought that was a really interesting comparison again because that's a kind of gadget player that the Packers have never really had. Um, Ayuk finished his season with 65 receptions for 1,192 yards, eight touchdowns, and he returns punts and kickoffs. Um, so I think as a he was named first team all Pac-12 as both a wide receiver and a return specialist. So I think that kind of um, extra versatility would be really great uh, for the Packers to have. Um, I have a few others that I um, don't know a ton about, but um, you know, I think with a really great combine could could move up in in the draft rankings and. So I'll just list them off of, as guys I'm kind of like watching for to learn more about them. That's Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State, Ann Jefferson from Florida, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, Denzel Mims out of Baylor, and KJ Hill from Ohio State. So those are some guys that um, I've watched a little bit, but I'm very curious to see how they perform um, at the Combine next week. I really like that you mentioned um, kick returner and punt returner as, you know, positions to look for or like traits that you don't want a wide receiver to have because Tyler Irvin, you know, immediately improved the Packers special teams, but now he also is a free agent. So he might be someone that would come back um, depending on whether or not Matt LaFleur liked what he saw out of him as a running back as well. I know they tried to use him, you know, in kind of some interesting ways in the playoffs. But I'm not sure if he would have done enough just as a special teamer or if it would warrant a spot on the 53-man roster solely to be, you know, the Packers returner. Um, so I do like that you mentioned a lot of players that were versatile as kick returners and punt returners in college because that typically translates pretty well into the NFL. You did not touch on the wide receiver that I'm looking forward to watching, and I'm probably going to get made fun of on Twitter for it, because guess what? His NFL comp is Geronimo Allison, <laughs> and that is <laughs> Antonio Gandy-Golden out of Liberty. He has very sure hands. He's more of a possession receiver, only a 2.2% drop rate, but he has a really high grade as a deep threat. So he's got a 92.4 from Pro Football Focus um, on deep balls. He can high point balls. He's not like a speedster. He's not a guy that's going to blow the top off of a defense. But if you need somebody to, you know, play in the slot, he could potentially be, you know, a really late round, um, maybe like a round three or a day three kind of pick. I know that playing at Liberty, you know, the argument again could be made that he wasn't playing against guys from Clemson or uh, Alabama. So there is that kind of level of competition. But, you know, he's got really nice hands as a position receiver. Um, I think that if he's there and the Packers are moving on from Geronimo Ellison and maybe guys like Jake Kumro, who are more of your possession receivers on the offense, give Aaron Rodgers a weapon early to pair opposite Devontae Adams, keep Alan Lazard, and then throw in, you know, a day three pick at wide receiver as well. Um, but this does feel like a draft class that is so loaded. I would expect the Packers to pick early 
and then, you know, look again on day three. I don't see them leaving without at least two receivers from this draft class, especially given the bevy of picks that they do have. Um, And that's another reason I don't really see them moving around a ton. I don't really feel like, I feel like this is a good draft for what the Packers need. I don't see them reaching for anything. I think that the players that they need will be there at the picks they have already. Um, So I don't really think that they'll be doing a whole lot of trading unless honestly, I guess the one thing I could see them doing is trading back from pick 30, acquiring more picks on day two, if they have kind of a pool of talent that has fallen off the board, because there's a lot of quarterback needy teams that will probably be reaching for quarterbacks in the first round. So we never know what's going to happen. That's one of the reasons we all watch the draft and love it. But I do think that this board will fall the way the Packers maybe need it to this year. Um, So Perry, before we wrap up this episode, I thought, you know, we spotlighted four specific positions that we'd be interested in uh, or paying the most attention to. But who are some other names at other positions that you'll be watching um, come ne- come this week at the Combine? So there are two tight ends, mostly, that I am kind of excited to watch. Um, the first is Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. Um, this is a shout out to my dad, who loves him he watches a lot, <laughs> lot watches a lot of Notre Dame football not even really sure why but he <laughs> thinks that he's like the next George Kittle Travis Kelsey type I mean he's huge 6'5 260 um he can block and he can catch passes just a total overall stud um and then I'm also curious to see how Thaddeus Moss performs the combine he obviously gets a lot of hype because of who his dad is but um I'm he didn't really shine a ton at LSU as like a pass catcher mostly as a blocker so Um, I'm curious to see how he does. Yeah, I like that you mentioned tight ends um, because, you know, Jimmy Graham is a player that a lot of fans and the media are expecting the Packers to move on from kind of letting him go after two years, not uh, keeping him around for that third and final year of his contract. It's possible he might retire. We don't really know yet. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is a free agent. He has expressed that he does want to come back. He does feel like he can still play at a high level. He still enjoys playing the game. So it wouldn't surprise me if Mercedes Lewis comes back. But whatever happens with Robert Tanyan in training camp, whether he would be the team's wide receiver three if they do have Mercedes Lewis and Jay Sternberger, I do think the Packers will bring in more tight end competition, whether that's through the draft or, you know, look at all the undrafted guys that they bring in for training camp. Um, So a name that I'm keeping half an eye on is Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. I think he's a good day three pick for the Packers. I don't think tight end will be one of their pressing needs when they have so many other positions to address. But he he ranked first among uh, the tight ends this past season in deep yardage. Uh, He had a 1,000-yard season in 2019 with seven touchdowns for the first time in his career. Um, So he's kind of come on the last couple of seasons. He's looked pretty good. Um, Although drops have become a little bit of an issue for him um, after not being a problem for him early in his career. Uh, But he did get a 92.3 overall grade from Pro Football Focus. Yeah, tight end's an interesting one because I think there's like um, a real learning curve when it comes to the jump from college to fo- to the NFL. So um, while we do have really high hopes for Jay Sternberger, um, I know we do specifically, uh, I think it doesn't hurt to bring in some extra talent, especially because the Packers run a lot of two tight end sets. So, um, you know, the more we can get if someone falls to us on day two or three that we really like, I think there's no harm in taking a tight end this draft either. And then finally, I looked at a couple players in the secondary, just because we're kind of unsure what's going to happen with the Packers secondary. Tremont Williams is a free agent. 
you know, I think that he is somebody that they can bring back on a team-friendly contract. Uh, but then you have Kevin King entering free agency next season, and I'm not entirely sure what will happen with him in the offseason if he's somebody that the Packers would give a ton of money to. Um, so a couple names at cornerback that I looked at were Lamar Jackson out of Nebraska. He's 6'3". You know, he's really got that kind of bully mentality as a boundary corner. He would be a developmental prospect for the Packers, probably a day three pick. Um, but the nice thing about taking a corner on day three is that you're not expecting them to start in year one. You still have Jair Alexander. You still have Kevin King. Um, the Packers have Kadar Holman from 2019. They have Josh Jackson. They have Chandon Sullivan, who came on really strong. So their cornerback cupboard, as you would say, is not bare. Uh, so Lamar Jackson is a player that I would like to see more from at the Combine. Troy Pride Jr. from Notre Dame, your dad's going to be happy. He is six feet tall, and he is a track star, so he is quick. He has not the best ball tracking ability when the ball is in the air, but he has fantastic makeup speed, and he rarely gets beat due to that speed. He, I mean, he's a track star. So those are two corners that I'm interested in. And then I guess my last player that I'll be keeping a close eye on is Antone Brooks Jr. from Maryland, who is a safety. Um, worked well for the Packers in 2019 to take a Maryland safety. So, you know, Brooks Jr. is another name that the Packers might be interested in. He's another day three kind of prospect, um, but he's a really good physical box safety. So he kind of plays that hybrid role that Mike Patton loves with guys like Raven Green or Ibrahim Campbell. Um, he got a 90.8 run defense grade from Pro Football Focus. And he just destroys blockers. He is a nightmare matchup for tight ends. Um, he's a little undersized, but a lot of the draft analysis says that if this guy could play linebacker, he would. You know, he's just a little undersized, so he's a safety, but he is the prototypical box safety, really physical, a thumper that I would love to see in Mike Patton's defense. And it'd be fun to reunite him with Darnell Savage. Uh, so those are my combine players that I'll be most excited to keep an eye on. Um, and then I guess the best part to me about the combine is that you fall in love with guys um, that maybe weren't on your radar before. Yeah, definitely. There's always those guys that you do not hear about in mock drafts, really, that not names that aren't floated around. And then all of a sudden they come out and have these amazing uh, 40 times or just combine showings in general. I think the biggest one that I can think of is DK Metcalf last year. Um, so there's always those that, that shine through on this day and, and I can't wait for them. All right. So Ross Blacklock and T Higgins, you guys both have an open invitation to come on packs, what she said, uh, because we love you and are rooting for you. Um, but Perry, where can the people find you if they want to get in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me at Goldstein Perry. And as always, please follow the packs, what she said, podcast at PWSS podcast. And I'm Maggie Loney. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. And I also write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV and I podcast with the Pack a Day podcast team. Um, thank you for joining us on another episode of Packed What She Said. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's inside the 10 and he is in for the touchdown. The title is back in town. The 